0: Hey there, I'm Heather Mulder, a former Amlaw 100 partner who, just five years into my legal career, found myself teetering on the edge of burnout. Instead of becoming yet another burnout statistic, I decided to redefine success on my own terms, enabling me to build a profitable legal practice while navigating the challenges of two kids, the 2008 financial crisis, and a battle with breast cancer. What I learned is that you can build a successful legal career without sacrificing your health or personal happiness, and I'm now on a mission to help Lawyers do just that. Join me each week for practical, unfiltered advice on how to successfully navigate the challenging legal market and succeed in both life and law. This is the Life in Law Podcast. Well, hey there. This is Heather Mulder, host of the Life in Law Podcast, and I'm so happy that you are here with me today. Now, today is a really important topic in my mind. And so I want to challenge you to be sure to really pay attention. Don't just listen to this kind of in the background. I know a lot of you might listen to this in the car on the way to and or front work or listen while walking. And that's totally fine. But be sure that you're able to really pay attention because this topic is supremely important. Okay? Okay. And we are getting into self-care. Now, before you roll your eyes, we're not talking about a lot of the typical things that I think a lot of people think of today, okay? We're ta- We're taking a little bit of a different look at self-care. And we're doing that because a couple of things that have come up recently with potential clients that I've been talking to, colleagues, et cetera. So for example, I have been talking to someone for, goodness gracious, probably since January, and it is now September about joining the mastermind and she's been incredibly interested but always too busy which is a big red flag by the way because if you if you want to grow your business but you can't even take the time to do the things you know you want to do to do that there's a problem right and I reached out to her recently letting her know that You know, I'm going to be filling another group. It's perfect for her. I'd love to build it around her, etc. And I received a response that she had recently been in the hospital. I'm not going to tell you exactly what had happened, but it it was really bad. And it was all relating to stress. And that please check back in with her in November slash December because she'll probably be more ready then because she needs to catch up. Because she was in the hospital (laughs) because she was overly stressed. Even bigger red flag, right? She doesn't need to work on building her business anytime soon. What she needs is to get a handle over her stress levels, to learn how to prevent stress, manage it, and deal with it effectively so that it doesn't take her down. I've had clients come to me recently who are losing their hair because they're so stressed out. I had somebody reach out to me yesterday who serves attorneys, They're not attorneys themselves, but they serve attorneys, and they asked me to write an article for them, which I will be doing, on simple ways to take care of yourself and reduce stress and prevent stress. They've been following the podcast. They've read – I think they get my newsletter, and they're like, you know what? The people we serve need this because what we're seeing is people coming in at 2 o'clock in the morning to work not leaving until 11 p.m. when they've come in at 2 in the morning. People who we try to talk to and they seem like they're almost daydreaming. They're so out of it. They are burned out. None of this is okay. It's not worth it, y'all. I don't care what you do, I don't care who you serve. It's not worth it. And frankly, there's a bigger picture issue that I want you to really think about. And so that's why we're getting into self-care today. Now, I started off by saying self-care isn't necessarily what you think. Yes, it includes eating healthy meals and regularly. It includes getting good amounts of sleep. It includes exercise. All of that is part of self-care. But it goes deeper than that. And that is what I want to get at today, this deeper kind of a thing. The other thing I would say is it starts with your mindset, your mentality, your acceptance of you are worthy enough to take care of yourself and to put yourself first before your clients, before your firm, before anything else, before your family, before your kids. You come first. and We're going to get into that today and what that really means. And so – That's why today is so very important and why I want you to listen, okay? I'm getting off the soapbox for a moment. I'm sure I will have other ones today because obviously I care deeply about this topic. I care deeply about not just my clients and friends and colleagues, but really the profession. I don't think it's sustainable for people to continue to work and live this way, and a big reason why I started this podcast is because I can't work with everybody, right? And not everybody can afford or wants to work with me or a coach in general. And so I feel really strongly that, you know, hopefully I can reach more people. So please listen to today a little more intently, maybe take some notes if you need to. And I highly suggest that you do one other thing. I have – something called the Simplify Self-Care Challenge. And it is a seven-day challenge. You will get one email per day for seven days designed specifically to help you take better care of yourself and really change the mentality that you have around self-care so that you can prioritize it in a way that's super simple. So none of this is going to be stuff that takes a long time. Everything can be done in 15 minutes or less. All of the challenges are designed around really transforming how you view self-care, how you view yourself, so that you can start prioritizing it and doing it in very simple, easy, quick ways. Now, of course, it's not just easy, quick always, right? You do need to sleep. You do need to exercise. You do need to eat well. All of those other things. But it starts with the mentality. And that's what the Simplify Self-Care Challenge is there to do. So, Highly recommend that if you feel like, you know what, I can take better care of myself. I know I need to take care of better myself. I should take better care of myself. Any of those thoughts going on in your head, you need to sign up for that challenge. And if you're already receiving my newsletter, it's going to be in one of the emails that you're getting soon to, you know, you just click a button, you're in. Or use the link that are in the show notes. Either one will work. Go do it. And if you've done it before, but you feel like, yeah, I've gotten away from it because I've offered this before, do it again. It's simple. It's easy. And I really do think it will help you. Okay. So let's get into a little bit more about lawyer stress and anxiety and why this topic is so important if I haven't already impressed it upon you. So we've talked before about the lawyer brain, about how lawyers are trained. And if you haven't listened to that episode, I highly recommend you go back because it's a really necessary piece to understanding why stress and anxiety tends to go into overdrive with lawyers. We are trained to be more stressed (laughs) when it comes down to it, okay? But there is a way around it, and you can retrain your brain to be less stressed and to think differently. And it all starts with how you think, by the way. The other thing I would say is, I mean, it's just the nature of the legal profession. It, there's a quick response time. We are expected to, you know, get back to our clients and to fellow colleagues quickly. There's pressure to be right or have the perfect answer. Pressure from others. And then a lot of it is our own pressure, right? Got to be right. Got to be perfect. We are. We do tend to be perfectionists. And then there's this demand to always deliver exactly what the client wants, even if we don't think it's what's best for them. And so you add all those together, and of course, we're gonna feel stress and anxiety. That's natural, that's normal. The other problem that you see is we're not really just counseling on the law, like, we're trained to be lawyers through law school but we have to serve our clients in a lot more capacities we're more than just counselors to them right oftentimes we have to understand their business and we become business advisors i know i was doing that i know a lot of corporate lawyers specifically finance lawyers employment lawyers people who do the transactional stuff this definitely comes into play but i'm pretty sure it comes into play also for litigators we're business advisors too We also, as we get more senior, become partner, um, if we're in private practice, must do sales and marketing. And that's a whole different ballgame, y'all. And a lot of lawyers aren't that great at it, right? And we have to learn how to do that. And it's uncomfortable. And so that provides additional stress. And then we also are managers and leaders. Many of us lead teams. We have to manage people around us. And this is the case regardless of whether you're in private practice or in-house because we all manage someone. Even if you're a lower level, right, you're managing somebody. You're managing somebody who assists you. You're managing a paralegal. You're managing, if you're in-house sometimes, the business folks. Even if you're not technically over them. When you are wearing your lawyer hat and trying to tell them yes or no, or here's what you can or can't do, you're in a management position. And so you add all these roles together that none of us were trained for, and that's even more added stress and anxiety. And then we get into how we tend to cope with the long hours, the quick response time, the pressure to deliver and to be right, all the roles that we're trying to fill, many of which we weren't trained in, and we cope in pretty unhealthy ways. And let me just tell you, it's, it's natural to cope, to need to cope. What happens is if we're not taking good care of ourselves, we're not meeting our own core needs. And when I say needs, I mean, you know, basic needs of whatever we have in that moment. We all have needs. Not just to be fed. Not just to move around. Not just, I'm talking about even deeper needs when you're not taking good care of yourself for a lengthy period of time and allowing yourself to just, you know what, stress is just part of it. This is just part of the job. I have to deal with it. And you keep going and going and going. You end up in a state of chronic stress. And your body is not designed to be under a state of chronic stress for a lengthy period of time. That's what chronic stress is. It's a lengthy period of time. So, When you're stressed, it's important to understand what happens to the body and what happens within your brain. So there are certain physical effects. Your blood pressure increases. It negatively impacts your ability to sleep. It weakens your immune system. Hurts your digestive system. So you have increased risk of ulcers. You might gain weight. You might eat more. You might eat less and lose weight. There's all kinds of physical unhealthy effects of stress if you undergo it for too long. Even worse is the mental impact of chronic stress and anxiety. So when you are under a state of fight or flight, we all have heard of that, right? All fight or flight really is, is when your brain is under a lot of stress, it goes into this response system within your brain that kind of shuts down what your brain feels is not necessary. It shuts down your ability to think rationally and clearly, y'all. Because fight or flight is supposed to be, oh my God, I'm I'm in danger. I have to make a quick decision that really relates to this. Do I stay and fight or do I run? The problem is the way that attorneys, and there are other professions, but attorneys I'm talking about specifically here, tend to allow themselves to be bombarded by stress and not truly deal with it, you end up in a near constant state of this. And so it is inhibiting your ability to think clearly, to think creatively, to be as rational. It can impair your memory. It makes you more emotional. The number of people who come to me who are stressed out, who are showing it in very emotional ways at work, like outbursts, they, you know, I've had clients come to me saying, I've never been like this before, but I've become known over the last couple of years as the person nobody wants to work with because I snap at people. I make quick judgments. I'm not very nice, and I don't like who I'm becoming. That's what long-term stress does to you. It can also cause panic attacks. It can cause depression and anxiety, and it can lead to unhealthy coping behaviors because, y'all, if you're dealing with this For a long enough period, at some point, your mind is gonna say, I'm done with this, I gotta deal. And if you're not dealing with it in a healthy way, you are going to cope in an unhealthy way. And what does that look like? (laughs) It looks like over emotional outbursts, taking things out on other people constantly. It looks like depression, it looks like drinking. At night, every time you come home, just to deal with the stress, which can then become, you know, alcoholism. It can also be drugs, you know, illegal drugs, legal drugs used in an inappropriate way. All of these things we see, this is why attorneys typically have much higher rates of drug and alcohol abuse, depression and anxiety, and so on. So if you don't know the stats, let me make this clear. 21% of licensed working attorneys are problem drinkers, according to the Hazleton Betty Ford Foundation and ABA Commission on Lawyer Assistance Programs that was featured in the March 2016 edition of the Texas Bar Journal. Okay? It involved almost 15,000 attorneys from 19 states, and they determined from the survey that about 21% of licensed working attorneys are problem drinkers. 28% 28% struggle with some level of depression. 19% suffer, suffer from anxiety. Please note, they don't just go away on their own. They're going to be a continuing problem if you don't deal with it. There is a breaking point. Perhaps you have been stressed for a while, but you feel like you manage it well. But you know, you know, in the back of your mind, maybe that's not truly true, Right? Or you think, you know, I've been dealing with this forever. I'm fine. Do not be that person that ends up in the hospital. It is not worth it. Moreover, this isn't just about you. Because this is a compounding problem, y'all. There is a ripple effect to being under chronic stress. And it's something that I think a lot of lawyers don't think about enough. Because if you do you realize, ooh, this really affects me, my relationships, my demeanor, how I treat others, and also the work that I do, right? Because the truth is this, you do not have to go into a tailspin of depression or alcohol or drug addiction for this to negatively impact your ability to serve your clients, your friends, your family, your firm. And when I'm talking about clients, if you're not serving them to the best of your ability and you're not, you know, you continually have trouble keeping up, you procrastinate because of the stress that you're under, you don't do your best, you don't think as clearly, you're not as creative, you're not as rational, remember all of those things that are signs that you've been under chronic stress, that are symptoms, that you are going to suffer from uh, at least upon occasion and definitively more and more and more if you don't deal with this issue. Think about that. Think about whether you're doing a very good job at all. Remember, at the beginning of this podcast, I mentioned that somebody had reached out to me saying they wanted me to write an article about ways to deal with stress and ways to take care of yourself. And one of the reasons was, look, we're seeing people that are working so much right now. They're so burned out. But they almost don't. They seem like they're in a dreamlike state. They actually told me that. They seem like they're not all there. Well, if somebody who sees you every day, who's not your client, sees that in you, how do you think that's impacting the work that you're actually doing? How do you think your clients see you? Also, remember, when we get chronically stressed, we get more emotional. How does that impact you? How does that impact your relationships and how you treat others? Then how does that impact their work there is a negative ripple effect that can go pretty darn far that you're not considering so I beg of you do not just make the excuse well you know what the profession is just stressful it's something I just gotta put up with no you don't have to you can do something about it and at the end of the day think about what this really means this ripple effect Because it can eventually mean a breach of the rules of ethics. So think about some scenarios where that would happen. Let's say you're working really long hours for months and months and months on end. You're not getting a lot of sleep. And so you're not thinking very clearly or certainly not creatively. Not as much as you would if you were getting good sleep. Because you just feel terrible physically and mentally. You are physically and mentally exhausted. You only have so much to give. So let's say because of that, you make a mistake. It's not a huge mistake, but it's a mistake. And because you're not thinking as rationally, you figure out, well, I'm just going to fix it and not say anything. Well, that could be seen as a cover up. Let's say that your mistake is that you've lost track of a deadline and you realize, oh my God, I've missed one. I've missed a filing deadline for a client because you haven't been thinking clearly, because you forgot to put it on your calendar. Let's say that you're a partner or a senior associate, you're more senior, and you've got people that you manage who are below you, and somebody comes to you and they ask an important question, right? You're supervising them, they come and ask an important question, and you are just, you can't handle it. You're too busy, you're not thinking clearly, you react emotionally, and so you never really answer their question. You just want them to go figure it out. And your intent is, look, I don't have time for this right now. Go try to figure it out and come back. But you don't say it that way because, again, you're overly emotional. And so what they think they're hearing is, you go figure it the heck out and deal with it. And they go and they try, but they don't do a very good job. And then they go tell the client something that's just wrong. And you don't find out until weeks later, after the clients acted on the advice that they gave that was incorrect. So here in Texas, there is a rule that requires lawyers to provide competent and diligent representation to your clients. Think about if you're chronically stressed and any of these scenarios are happening or could happen, right? Think about the negative impact it's having on you and the work you're doing, the advice you're giving, how you're managing. You might not be providing competent and diligent representation. And there's also a rule in Texas, and I'm sure Texas is not the only one with these rules. You're basically responsible for those that you're supervising. So I want to impress upon you This isn't just about you. It's also an ethics issue. It's also a competency issue. There are higher standards that you are required to meet within this profession. And you cannot meet those fully if you are not fully taking care of yourself. So this is why, y'all, you should be prioritizing your own self-care. Now, self-care, as I've mentioned before, starts within your mind, within your ability to accept that it needs to be a priority, within how you define it in the first place. Because self-care, as I've said, isn't just about, you know, exercising and getting good sleep and eating healthy. Self-care includes your mental health self care includes your spiritual health i like to break up self care into three main categories spiritual mental and physical and when i say spiritual yes that includes you know a belief in a higher power should you so believe but it's really about whatever spirituality means to you it doesn't necessarily mean a religion In my experience, no matter what you do and don't believe, everybody has a spiritual aspect to them. And the spiritual includes how you see yourself as well as a human and your interconnectedness with other people and the world that we live on. When it comes to mental, that is, you know, how do you feel about yourself, your own mental health, your psychological well-being? And that's all about your mindset. And that gets incredibly impacted by stress levels so you want to take care of yourself mentally and it starts there not with the physical because if you don't have the right mentality and you don't view self-care as the priority that it is you're never going to do anything or not enough right to actually take care of yourself and by the way if you are working out every day and getting seven hours of sleep, and eating healthy, you still might not be taking good care of yourself because it just doesn't entail that physical stuff. If you are looking at your life, you're unfulfilled, you're not happy, you're stressed over a lot of things, and you're still taking care of yourself physically, you're still not really fully prioritizing self-care because again, it all starts within your mind. And there's an actual study out there that shows this, there is an increased risk of death. When you perceive stress negatively, I will have to find the study and link to it in the show notes, but the gist of it is this. There was a survey that was done over the course of some years, and years later, people went back and looked at it. And this the survey basically had people fill out a, bu- a questionnaire about how stressed they were and also... How they viewed that stress, and some people said, "Yeah, I'm under a lot of stress, but I don't view it as a negative. It's a you know, it's not a big deal to me." Others did view it as a negative, right? They they viewed it as, "Oh my God, it's horrible. Um, it's really impacting me." And then there were others who said, "Well, I don't really. I'm not under much stress. I don't I don't have stress, or I don't have very much." So there were kind of three main categories, right, that people would identify under. And when they went back later and looked at that, and then they looked at, you know, how are these people doing? How is their health? They saw that there was a definite decrease in their health and an increase in death for those people who not only said they had stress, but perceived it as something negative that was impacting them in a negative manner. Those who said, yeah, I have stress, but it it doesn't really impact me it's at least not in a negative way I did not have that same increase in negative health impacts this is why your mentality around it is so important and it's why so many of my podcasts and the things i write about relate to your mindset your mentality because that's that's what that all is right it's how you view the world it's how you view the things that are going on in the world and how it impacts you and affects you. So let's take the coronavirus for an example here. Obviously, it has changed the way we do things, the way we live, the way we perceive a lot. Some of us have definitively reacted better than others, right? I see a lot of people out there, and it, it really concerns me, who are much less resilient because of the way they're allowing COVID to affect them, to impact them. They're very fear-based. They're worried all the time. Um, and that worries me because it, it has a ripple effect and a long-term impact. And the fact of the matter is, we can't really control the virus. We can't control a lot of it. There are things we can do in the way we live and maybe whether we get vaccines. Not going to go into whether, you know, who should and shouldn't. But th- there are things you can do but there's only so much you can do. The virus is still there. It is likely going to it is going to be endemic <laughs> and we're going to have to live with it. And so it's important to understand that you've got to get your mind in a place where you're okay with that and like, all right, it is what it is. I can still live my life and I can still live a full life and here's how I'm going to do it. That, my friend, is a choice. To not allow fear To get in your way to not allow it to stop you and to overtake you and those things are what i'm talking about when i say mental self-care getting yourself into a place where you accept what is doesn't mean you're okay with it by the way but you accept what is you learn what you can you do your best moving forward and you don't allow it to bring you down okay this is why mindfulness is so important and why I talk about it so often. I actually have a CLE that in Texas has gotten ethics credit, by the way. So if there's anybody out there listening in Texas and you're interested in you know, hearing more about this or having me come speak to your firm, I'm available for that kind of thing. We can talk more about this. And then we can get into the mindfulness techniques that will help Change how you think and how you perceive yourself, the world, and the stressors that are out there. It's so, so important. So, when we're talking about changing our mentality, changing our mindset, again, highly recommend that you join the Simplify Self Care Challenge. It's going to help you with that when it comes to self care. I want to just say that self care is ultimately about self respect. It shows That you respect your own body, mind, soul. You respect you. You have deemed yourself worthy enough to prioritize your own well-being. That's it. And if you're not willing to do that for yourself, are you really willing to fully go all in for everyone else? Certainly you're not going to be capable of it over time if you're not taking care of yourself. So I want you to think about that. So since I've mentioned mindfulness, let's quickly go into why I think it's so important to utilize mindfulness when it comes to self-care, and specifically the issues we've been talking about today. Okay? So let's just go into what mindfulness is really quickly. Jon Kabat-Zinn, who is kind of considered uh, the guru on what mindfulness is, talks about it as this, paying attention on purpose in the present moment, non-judgmentally. So let's break that down, okay? Mindfulness is paying attention to the present moment. So your thoughts, your bodily sensations, your feelings, your environment, with like focused awareness in that moment, right? We all talk about how we want to be more present. Well, mindfulness can really help train your brain, rewire it, to become more focused, more aware of the present moment so that your mind's not all over the place, spinning with a million thoughts about what needs to be done, what was done, and may not have been done right, all these things that are always going on. Non-judgmentally, that means accepting what is without judging, maybe being a little curious instead, right? Being open. And when we talk about judgment, that's that inner voice. Like, we always think about judgment Um, like we're judging other people. But we judge ourselves, we judge our experiences, we judge our environment all the time. And so that's what this piece is about. It's pulling away from that and just accepting what is without putting a label on it. And that also brings into not being attached, allowing whatever is in the moment to just be. It's not positive. It's not negative. There's no attachment there. So that's what we're talking about when people and coaches and others like me talk about mindfulness and why mindfulness is so important. Hopefully, this shows you how you can really train your brain to think differently because that's really the point, part of the point at least, for mindfulness. So let's get into the other reasons why mindfulness. Well, first and foremost, it increases your awareness. It increases awareness around your thoughts, around your emotions, around your own responses. Oftentimes, we have quick responses to things, reactions that we don't even realize. When we practice mindfulness, it helps us become more aware of the things that we just do out of habit and don't think about, which is important to know, right? It helps us to understand how we relate to others better because of that. It also increases your awareness of others, like understanding of others, what they might be thinking, how they perceive you and their circumstances, which then helps to increase your own emotional intelligence. That's what emotional intelligence is, y'all. It's really being more open and aware to what other people are feeling and thinking more intuitively. So that you can then respond appropriately based on that. If you're high in emotional intelligence, you're good at that. And mindfulness helps you with that. Which, by the way, makes you a much better manager and leader. It also helps you with your relationships with clients, colleagues, family members, friends, all of the above. This increased awareness also helps to change how you perceive things about what's real and what's not, what's within your control and what isn't. And because of all of that, it helps to introduce more choice. When you become more aware, it opens up more possibilities. And it also helps you to respond differently. That introduces more choice. So I think I've talked before about an equation. I know I've written about it, but I'm pretty sure I've talked about it. E plus R equals O. And that stands for event- Something happens that you don't have control over, or maybe you had some part in, but you no longer have control over it once it's occurred, right? That's the event. The R is the response, your response, which can be rational. It can be emotional. It can be creative, non-creative, et cetera, right? You have a response. The event plus the response equals the outcome. We often tend to think of our outcomes primarily being a result of events, of circumstances. But just step back and note, okay? Your outcome is highly impacted by your response because of the ripple effect I've already talked about, sometimes a very big one. That ultimately impacts the outcome, right? And your response is a direct result of your thinking, what you think, what you believe. They all have emotions that are attached to them. And all of those things determine how you respond. Why is this important? Being more mindful makes you more aware, helps you process your feelings, your emotions, all the things that come up when things happen that you don't necessarily have control over. It can change how you process them and then how you view them, which then impacts your response. That's why we're talking about this. And this is why mindfulness can be so important. The other thing I would note is um, studies actually show that a regular mindfulness practice can increase compassion and patience. I guess it makes sense, right? If you're less emotionally reactive and more rational, even more creative, you're going to have a little more patience. And when you have more patience, you're more likely to have more compassion, It helps you to let go of what you cannot control so that you don't ruminate on all the things that are going wrong in your life, on the why me, why does this always happen? So it can provide a pattern interrupt to that because it is natural sometimes for your mind to go there. And then that over time changes those habitual patterns that we talked about that can be these habitual responses that you've had that might be more emotional. It changes them for the better. So there's all kinds of benefits to mindfulness. And there are more, y'all. But those are just a couple of the ones that I really wanted to highlight today that relate to not just how you think, but your mental well-being, your own self-care, and why all of this really does relate to how you perform as a lawyer and your ethical obligations as a lawyer too. So I very much hope that I've impressed upon you the importance of self-care and that it is time to really make it a priority for you. If you are interested in some mindfulness practices that you would like to start implementing now, two things. Number one, go back and listen to episode number seven. I talked about it back then and I've got some mindfulness exercises for you in that episode. So I recommend you go back and listen to it. Number two, Do join the Simplify Self Care Challenge. It is going to help you with this mentality that we've been talking about today so that you can simplify what self care means, start taking, you know, start prioritizing it, taking better care of yourself, and really perceiving yourself differently as worthy of prioritizing your own well being. Okay, y'all, that is it for today. I will be back with you next week. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Life in Law Podcast. If you enjoyed this week's episode and aren't yet a subscriber, be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss an episode. For show notes and free resources to help you succeed in both life and law, including the Life in Law Roadmap, visit lifeandlawpodcast.com.